inputs take a ride into the minds of the faces on the train. Perceptions, influences, differences, and similitudes. One interactive moment at a time. Sometimes I cannot forgive myself for a look I see on a child's face. A child who is not safe. A child who looks afraid but is with a parent. A child that needs a different world looking with confusion at passive adults. In the store, at the parks and the fairs and carnivals. Intervention is harder than it looks. Her name was Melissa. Faces on the train. Apologies from a safe place. Melissa had a world of sorry she had meant to say. But the fog in her perception was slow to clear. She sorted the confusion into bundles like favorite clothes in 97 cent laundry baskets, sectioning everything into manageable little bits. She worked on the laundry and stumbled through her messy thinking, but there it sat. An unapproachable denial, breaking like a heart with a zigzag crack down the middle of its spine. The truth was stark for her by herself, alone, like staring into the bright center of the sun. Jessica was Melissa's neighbor and her lifelong best friend, but was also being held hostage in the basement of the house next door. And they pretended together that was not exactly what was happening. Her stomach was tied up in knots. The piles of clothing smelled like smoky rooms, dollar store spray perfumes, and other cheap inebriated memories. Melissa packed, but she was nervous with dread. No one in her house would ask her where she was headed, nor where she had been. Short-sleeve, lemon-yellow, crop-top sweatshirt. She went through each item, examining while scenarios poured through the room like waves had crashed in high tides across the second-story roof. Familiar songs played from the crumpled legs of army green pants. The garments, one by one, were flung into color corners. Whites, blacks, greens, blues, yellow, oranges, pinks, general dark, They would take the Greyhound bus. It would be three days of travel by way of Pittsburgh. She held a dirty, charcoal, lightweight, long-sleeve hoodie to her nose. Melissa wanted to erase not just the house, but her feelings and the annoying past stalking her from over her left shoulder. Indigo denim boyfriend jeans. She could not keep her mind focused for very long. She was dizzy with the realization she had been very very wrong. Surely there was someone she could tell. This one thought made her skull heavy and threw her neck to and fro like a slinky passing between invisible hands. Melissa had seen crime as constant as daily prayer and had said nothing to anyone. Jessica sometimes chained to a crossbeam and catching sun from the window, was a secret and never once discussed. Red, white, blue, bikini. The abuse 
was more a pattern of behavior, unfolding now like reverse origami. She had been wrong, wrong in staying silent, but she was also afraid, and the fear made her observations just disappear. Both girls plain forgot anything had happened. She did not need the pom-pom ankle socks. It took courage to admit her error in judgment. A looming kaleidoscope of misdeeds, mainly voiceless in action. She was blind to things in plain view, and oblivion had become a master over common sense. Rainbow-striped Betsy Johnson-like warmers. Scenarios were swelling, thinning, and mixing in her mind, while a pit of shame burned inside her chest. She did not tell. She did not even think to tell. She masked herself as if she somehow was guilty. Sorting summer dresses, she thought about other girls her age, feeling pretty and walking on the beach. Gauzy protective layers guarding fair skin from blisters. Melissa had lived in superficial apologies that held little weight. She was sorry for the mouse puppet socks she stole at a slumber party one year that fit right into her pocket. Melissa and Jessica, like sisters, for their whole lives together since first grade, because in kindergarten, Jessica had PM and Melissa had AM, and they met in Miss Shirley sitting together learning how to read. She never said sorry for the sock puppet, not even when she helped search the whole house after the other girls went home. She was sorry she had stole the puppet and pretended to be sad that it was nowhere to be found. But everybody knew Jessica was the luckiest anyway. Her house had a center grand staircase with a large arch window and crystal chandelier. She had every Barbie plaything, all the Play-Doh shapers, and a basement full of toys. She was the only child on the block, girl or boy, for whom you had to have an invitation even to the yard. The rest of the children ran from house to house, knocked at any hour, traded bikes and bag snacks without a care. The excuse was crammed in the very back of her cloudy, cloudy mind. That was all before the step-monster Trevor moved in with Melissa's mother. Melissa's thoughts kept moving back and forth between the room where she sat and her hopes of pushing down the big mistake like a wall of life-size building blocks. Trevor was demonically creepy. Melissa reached for a suitcase with her fingertips and it almost fell on her head as she pulled it from the top shelf. Jessica could not read. She'd left school years ago. Melissa slid a second bag from underneath the bed. Jessica was locked up in her basement because her mother married a hellion to pay the mortgage on the house. The girls never said a word about the bruises and the pimp-like way he walked them along the shore like poodles with no leashes. Neither of them said anything out loud. They spoke with their eyes, which Melissa was seeing now was absolutely not the same. She was sorry for this and many, many other things. 
Melissa pictured their matching sandals back when they still used to go outside, and their fingers laced through the straps. She and Jessica, in younger years, holding hands with feet imprinted on the sand. She pictured sun-kissed men reading shapes through cotton, like round surfaces of shells, rocks, and the coral one finds in the shallows of a lagoon. In her mind, she always saw herself in silhouette and looking down. She never saw from her own two eyes. Melissa always saw herself from the outside, like she was watching. Life to her was sidewalk squares, boardwalks, cheap carpet, marble and tile landings passing underfoot. She watched herself move through the world like a prisoner in a storybook, like a dream with screams and no sound, the dreams when you can't wake up. Melissa passed out from the weight of her brain, regaining function right there on the floor among the blankets. She would say sorry on the Greyhound bus with the two tickets to New York she bought, the suitcases already packed, and with the sweater she found at Goodwill on Thrift Road in Malibu to fight the chilly winters in the East. Once they got away from here, they would have so much fun. Melissa was thinking, sleeping, hoping, and dreaming all at once. Jellybean the cat jumped up on the dresser, which disturbed a book which launched a hairbrush that hit a can of spray paint that landed on a half-eaten plate of nachos from the day before yesterday. But all Melissa heard was the loud sound of hard objects clashing, and that was when she opened her eyes. Even in her windowless bedroom, she knew it was time to go. She rolled the throw blanket she was wrapped in and tucked it in the knapsack. Socks, underwear, tees. Every move she made had a mission. Suitcase, suitcase, backpack, backpack, one reusable bag full of snacks. She'd hide half the bags in the shed, and they could circle back. Gathering up the bags, Melissa climbed the stairs and left into the early morning darkness. An ambulance, a police car, a fire truck, and people strangely underdressed. The reckless beast had erupted into rage, and the girl had become an angel, watching her living friend from on the stretcher underneath a thin white sheet. The angel girl was transcending and watched Melissa scramble through a gathered crowd to board the Greyhound bus. Jessica watched from just the other side of death while Melissa searched to catch her breath and seek a safe destination and a chance to speak apologies. Melissa was full of teardrops and running, running, running. Faces on the train. Her name was Melissa. Apologies from a safe place. We can train ourselves to respect our feelings and transform them into language so they can be shared. Audrey Lord, Sister Outsider. 
Faces on the Train is written, narrated, and produced by Felicia Chappelle with creative director Will Walker. Audio engineering and production assistance, Mary Evans. Music composition, Umvikeli G. Scott Jones. Content editor, Connor Jameson. Special thanks to Bomani Moyenda and Khalil John. Graphics, Miss Hanifa Jones. Email us at info at womenworkwonders.com or follow us on Instagram at womenworkwonders.com. Wonders. Thank you to our entire production team and thank you very much to our listeners. Catch the next episode of Faces on the Train.